Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. Derek Van Ness here with the Small Business Big Life podcast, and I am super, super excited today. Uh, we have a special guest who's going to be sharing a lot of wisdom as I've uh, gotten to know her just a little bit before our recording and looked at the website. She does a lot of things. She's built uh, an incredible organization. And so I can't wait for her to share it with you. So Johanna, thank you for coming and joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I've loved what you have built yourself. So I always like to connect with what I call kindred spirits, people who have a mission in life, figure out how to make it happen, and then reach out to others to create win-win situations, which is what I think we're doing right here. I think we are. You know, it's like that scratch, <laughs> scratch and claw to really get to where you have, you figure out who you are and what you're good at and what skills you have to offer. And then it gets to be really fun to exchange with other people who are kind of got that figured out too. And uh, yep. Yeah, lift each other up. So I love it. So um, as most of you know who listen to the show, I really like to start off with Johanna. Just give us the the two minute version of like who you are, what you do, and then also where people can find you. Because if they don't make it to the end of the episode, I want them to still be able to reach out if you're part one of those kindred spirits for them. Wonderful, thank you. So in a nugget, I help people find work they love. And people say, what does that really mean? You know, what does that mean? It really means what is it? Where did you come alive in your past? What is it you enjoy doing? What are your values? Who who needs to really get you? Can you find your tribe of people who really appreciate what you do? And that's that in a nugget is what I do. And my career journey has taken me from uh, management consulting to investment banking, to brand management, to tech, to many different industries. And I work well with people because having been in so many different industries, I have a sense of where you're coming from. I have a sense of why you ended up someplace. And I also have a sense basically in what might be missing for you. So that is what I, that is my superpower is really figuring out what it is that maybe that niggling sense you have in your mind that there's something you still want to accomplish and you can't quite figure out what that is. Wow. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So we're going to dig in on that in just a sec, but I, I always like to start giving you a chance to just bam, drop some serious power on people and, and share if you had someone they were talking to you one-on-one, they're, you know, they're growing their business, they're moving forward, and you could share one piece of advice, like that really, that special nugget that, that's been useful for you or the guiding light or the North Star, whatever you want to call it. What would you say to someone who's in the, on the path there? Okay, so I always start with, what are your superpowers? We all have things that we do as well or better than other people in a meeting, on a project, when you've got some analysis to do, whatever that is. Focus on that. 
we spend way too much time worrying about what we don't have. You know, I work with engineers who say, I'm not a good writer. Okay, so does that really matter or should you hire a coach? It doesn't, you know, is that really what you care about? Focus on what you can do, what your superpowers are, and then market that because someone else out there needs that. Someone else, often we think our superpowers, everyone has because it's so normal to us, but that's not indeed the case. What we do really well, someone else may not have the ability to do. So that's where I always start is what is your superpower? Get that out there and don't worry about selling it to everyone. Not everyone is going to get you. Okay. If you're trying to sell to everyone, you're spending a lot of time educating people. Education is expensive. Fulfill needs. Figure out where someone has a pain point where you can alleviate that pain point, okay? Think about it. People spend money for only one of two reasons or two reasons in total. Garner pleasure, avoid pain. That's it, okay? You go out for a nice dinner, you buy a good new pair of shoes, you get pleasure, okay? You call your CPA when that letter comes from the IRS and you're being audited, You want to get rid of pain. So think about where your superpowers will create pleasure for another organization or takes away pain from another organization or an individual. And that's your low-hanging fruit. Those people will immediately purchase from you because you're going to take care of an issue that they need to deal with. I love it. I love it. Now, everything you said sounds great on the surface. It sounds super easy. Of course, why would I ever be anything other than what I am? Right. Yeah. And then there's being human yep. <laughs> and all the things yep. that come with that. So I hear this a lot with branding, right? Like I was, I just had a, a marketing specialist on my show and I kind of asked him the same thing. And one of the things he said was be, be honest about who you are and where you are in life. And people will really resonate with that. But I also find, and this is on my own journey, but also having worked with thousands of business owners, it's not always easy, right? If you're that engineer and you want to be able to communicate better with people, sometimes you might try to do that, portray yourself as being able to do that. Uh, Sometimes, especially with social media, right? There are some things that are a little bit more glitz and glamorous than other things. And a lot of people are trying to put themselves into shoes that aren't theirs. What do you say to people to help them get honest about being authentic, especially when, like you said, they don't value what they bring to the table as much as they could. They're always valuing some of these other things they don't have. How do you help people get through that? Because I think that's a huge sticking point for a lot of people that I've met. Yeah. I, I would say a lot of this is habit formation. From an early age, we begin, we start out life by pleasing other people. We please our parents. We please our teachers. We please our employer. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're always caring about the other. At some point, when you step back and say, what is really important to me? Um, I worked with a client who said, I don't even know what my favorite color is anymore. That's how much I have been doing for others. Okay. So what's important, I like to think of job searches or work a little bit like dating. Okay. Uh If you are molding yourself to what someone else wants, it might work on a couple of dates. For the long haul, it's not going to work out. Okay, when you hit those tough times, you're going to have conflict. You got to be yourself. And that's why it's important to sit back and really think about what it is that makes you come alive and what you love to do rather than constantly molding yourself to what someone else or what you think someone else wants. Often we're wrong. 
often we're making assumptions about what the market wants, and it's not truly what what it is that that the market does value or or yeah or values. So being I know the term authentic is is overused nowadays, but it does come to the heart of who you are and what you do. Think about successful people like Elon Musk or or Steve Jobs, okay? They did not, I believe, mold themselves to anybody else. Warren Buffett, okay? Bill Gates. These people came out with what seemed sometimes like harebrained ideas. And yet they found their tribe that got them, that understood them. And that's what I'm suggesting. And by the way, it takes a lot of work to get to that. It takes a lot of, you know, we've all done like the Myers-Briggs assessments and the Enneagrams and all of that. If you really sit down and read what it says and take it to heart, it's a whole different process than what we usually do with it, which is read the Myers-Briggs and say, now, how do I get along better with Joe across the table? We always use that in an outward way in terms of how we get along with others. I'm suggesting to read those and really integrate what you're reading there and saying, hey, you know what? This is me. And I am going to be honest about how I work and what's important to me. And if you get that out into your collateral, into your LinkedIn, into your marketing and such, there are people out there who will get you and value you for that. And that's your perfect fit. Okay. I'm also not saying they're the same. I'm saying they value you. Sometimes someone values someone who's different from the way they are. Okay. Yep. Certainly, you know, I used to coach a lot of business owners on what we called soul purpose, S-O-U-L, and yep. really getting clear on like who you are as a human being and what you bring to the table. And I would often use the analogy that if you're really short you're and you need something on top of the fridge, you're not looking for other short people. You're looking for a tall right. person. So, and yep. here's what's really interesting for the tall person, it's super easy to get stuff off the top of the fridge. And for a short person, it's really easy to get things out of the bottom drawer. So yes. for you, if you're short, getting stuff out of the bottom drawer is like this much cost, but to them, it's <laughs> this much value and vice versa. Yes. And so both of yes. you working together, yeah, quite often are complementary, and I call it the puzzle piece, right? You like sync together. Um, so I, I love what you're saying there. And I think it's a it's a really important point to drive home is to to that the people who are going to be attracted to you may not be like you at all. Right. 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 And it's not necessary. And so many people I work with, too, because they're talented, say, I have done so many things. You know, people are going to think I have no focus. You know, mm-hmm. we used to call those people Renaissance men or Renaissance <laughs> women. Right. We used to think that that was a really valuable way to live your life of trying different things. And if you think about it, the COO of an organization is going to bring much more to the table if he or she has been in marketing and finance and operations and manufacturing than if they were in one little niche. So to those people who say, you know, I've been all over the place, people are going to think I forget about what other people think. You have a superpower because you have a broad expanse of skills and uh, experiences, own it and share it. Someone needs that. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I know that in our, uh, our world, people have gotten, you know, into going deep versus going wide, but there's a, there's a really neat book out there that's kind of popular right now called range. And they make the comparison of Tiger Woods, who, you know, was on TV golfing as a three-year-old 
and his whole life has been golf, 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 and obviously was exceptional. But then they also compared him to Roger Federer, who's kind of his contemporary within tennis, right? The most decorated tennis player of all time. And Roger Federer was actually a soccer player and a lacrosse player and a tennis player and a bunch of other things all the way through high school and even into um, even into his early professional career. He played a lot of other sports and he became really, really excellent because he was able to take disciplines from soccer and skills from other other things and bring them into his tennis game. And and they were even saying in this particular book, when the research was done, most of the professional soccer players And I think you could say outside of the U.S. soccer is far and away the most competitive sport professionally, right? Like most people play that. And in this book, the research points to the fact that most of the professional soccer players played a lot of other sports, not just soccer, because exactly what you're saying, bringing these other disciplines that you may not get focused time on or, or deep knowledge on within the game of soccer, but are very, very important uh, can come to play. And so I see that in business all the time, people who have a varied background or a unique background, right? Right. Who, who would have thought with what's going on with the pandemic that people who studied obscure diseases that comes from bats would be like that important. And here we are relying on those four people to like save the the planet to some extent. And I'm kind of joking, but but there is there is value in in these people who do these obscure things and learn all these skill sets that that you really need the combination of. So I, I love that you bring the bring that point forward. So yeah. So so tell me you you obviously have this varied background and you've done a lot of different things. Um, how did you end up where you are? How did you end up in this business? Because this is totally different than any of those businesses. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So it it really, I, I it's an interesting background. When I moved, I am from the East Coast originally, born and raised in New York City, and moved to California to attend business school and didn't know a soul in Northern California. And one of the things I was looking for was the alumni organization for my undergrad, so I could connect with some, you know, kindred spirits, find my tribe. Yeah. And uh, this was in uh, Silicon Valley. And my alumni club only had a a group in San Francisco. And don't laugh, but as a native New York Cityer, I did not have a car. (laughs) I can get that. Even in California. (laughs) Yeah, I bet that took me a while to get one. Yeah. (laughs) It changed, yes. Um, But I reached out to the university and uh, said, I'd like to get a a club started on the peninsula. It turns out there were 10,000 alumni around the area that Hmm. were not really being served unless they showed up to San Francisco, started the club. And um, basically 10,000 people found me because I was sending out newsletters and having, you know, events for professors coming through and such. And one of the events that I created, because there were a number of people in the club who were career coaches, was career transition. Are you happy in your job? Would you like to try something new? Mm -hmm. And literally 170 people signed up overnight with this huge waiting list because we didn't have a place that was big enough to hold everyone. And I realized that there is an underserved community of well-educated people who on paper are very successful and people don't understand where there's when they're saying, I have unfinished business or something's not right. The, the organizations that were out there, the governmental organizations to help people with career transition stuff, were not serving that organization. Yeah. 
Hmm. And that's when it came to my attention. Well, let me try setting up a conference in the Bay Area and see if anyone is interested beyond this alumni group. And bam, I got such a turnout in Silicon Valley. And that's how <laughs> I started the company. I said, there's clearly a lot of people out here who are talented and bright, and they're just trying to figure out, they're usually mid-career professionals who say, you know, I could do this the rest of my life, but I'm not sure it's what I want to do. And for some of them, they keep doing the same thing, but they create a side hustle. Some mm -hmm. people change careers and other people say, you know, I've reflected on this and I'm actually pretty happy where I am. But there's nothing like good full knowledge. That's what I really bring people is a sense of feeling settled in their decision because they've made an informed decision. So that's how I got into this business. Very cool. So to someone out there listening, how, how do they know if something like career coaching and counseling, the types of things that you do are, are for them or are they just having cold feet or, you know, what are the things that people kind of come to? What brings people to your doorstep? Yeah, it's usually when they're questioning, they either don't know what to do and they want to get some help figuring out what to do, or they do know what to do and they're not doing it and they need some sense of accountability. Hmm. And I've worked with people one-on-one, -on -one, but I want to tell you what I found that I thought I find works better. I put together groups of people, three to four people, all on a career journey, but from hmm. different walks of life. So imagine an artist and an engineer and a lawyer and, uh, and an entrepreneur, and they're mm -hmm. all trying to figure out what they want to do next. The conversations I've been told are the best they've had since graduate school. It's a way mm -hmm. to really see what is possible out there and gets you out of your niche of the people you normally hang with, which tends to be people in the same geography or the same profession. So that has caused people to think beyond where they were of maybe applying their skills in a different profession or maybe starting a nonprofit. Or I've had quite a few people who have moved geographies. I work with a woman in Detroit who is now working for Canva in uh, Sydney, Australia. So, mm -hmm. some, you know, the world is your oyster, particularly under COVID. Companies are hiring all over the place and are not worried about where you are right now. You can worry in six months or a year about whether you're going to move. In the meantime, we're all working remotely. So it's a great time to really see what's out there. You bring up a great point there. So, so you mentioned something there that I thought is really uh, interesting and kind of unique to what's happened for you. For a lot of people, a big part of the game is building and organizing an audience. Um, what do you think that you've been able to do that's really allowed that to, to happen? Because it sounds like you've done it pretty well from day one, and certainly there was some demand there, but I'm sure you've learned some things along the way about how do you organize and mobilize a community? How do you get people together and, and really create this, this movement and momentum that it sounds like is, is happening? Yeah. So a lot of the communities I've created, I've simply seen, seen a need and have mm -hmm. therefore fulfilled that need by creating a community. For example, that alumni club. Okay. So I have built up almost 20,000 first level connections on LinkedIn by creating these communities. Mm -hmm. So if I wow. see that there's a community of people that are looking, for example, to return to the workforce after a career break. Let's say you've been a stay-at-home mom or dad, or you had a health issues, or you just decided to travel the world, or you went to get an education, whatever that is. There's a whole community of people there that are struggling to get over that kind of career gap hump. Mm -hmm. 
And so on LinkedIn, it is so easy to create a shared community there. Just simply put put that as a shared interest group, start inviting people, and then people begin to find you. So a lot of the communities I've created are simply feeling a need that is not being served by others. And then they come to me and say, you know, you get me. I, I, I see that, you know, you care about people who feel insecure about interviews when they've had a career gap. And I'd like to talk to you about how to how to address that career gap. What do, what do you actually say? So that all of us can build communities. The beauty of it is LinkedIn, Facebook, all of these are free. What a gift. I know, I know. <laughs> Use them, leverage them. Yeah, yeah. We we have one called the Business Owner Success Lab where we work with entrepreneurs all the way from the beginning until like, you know, very, very successful people and kind of share ideas and resources back and forth. But it's true, there's a vacuum. I mean, we opened it up, we started putting up good content and inviting people, and it's just taken off and snowballed. So so I think, you know, there's something to be said for community, but it also sounds like your big approach is find a need right? Look for the need. Is that something you do actively or is that something you get from listening to clients? Because I know in my business, like I'm working with people on their financial strategy. And at first it was like, we were helping people do smart things with their money. And pretty soon it was like, I need hack, I need tax help. I need help with my taxes yeah. I need, and over and over. And it's like, okay, we need this piece for our people because it's so integrated in what we do. And there's a vacuum there. So tell me how that's kind of worked for you, how you seek those out, or do those just come to you? Yeah. So just as your business has evolved, so has mine. So, you know, I've gone from people who are, you know, well-educated trying to figure out what they want to do to people who have had career gaps to people who are looking for work, but want to get a side hustle started. So I actually also have small groups of entrepreneurs who are working on their side hustle to figure out whether they can actually pivot from their full-time job to doing their own company and their own work. So I think you have to be open to the consumer and see what the need is because you don't know what the need is un- until people share it. I mean, we only have our own our own existence and our own lives and our only, you know, what we know. But if you're open to what other people are looking for, then mm-hmm. you can pivot to that area. Or, you know, I have had people who are mid-career who are looking to up their leadership skills. I'm sending them to a leadership coach that I know who is really good at doing that. That isn't my area of strength. Mm-hmm. So I partner with a lot of different groups and uh, and and specialists too in order to help, you know, get the best for each of my clients. Okay. Awesome. I love that. So so you've told us some about some of the things that have worked well for you. Maybe share something that like where you bumped up against the challenge and you learned something new that that's really helped yes. uh, you grow your business or be successful. Maybe just give us a story of, of sometime you stubbed your toe or, you know, scraped your knees up yeah. and what you learned from it. I'll tell you, the one thing is people are only ready when they're ready. So we may believe that we have the best thing since fried rice and the community needs to use it because they will be so much better off. But if they're not ready, they're not ready. And the places mm-hmm. I've stubbed my toe is where I've tried to spend way too much time like selling what I can do for someone when they weren't ready. So to be yeah. fair, uh, for example, I did a conference in, I've done 12 conferences in um, Silicon Valley and in Manhattan for career transition, people in career transition. I am now having people who attended my 2016 conference in Manhattan connect with me. Yeah, it's funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I, I worked for a, a company before I had my own firm and I would get people who are like, I've been following like the, the face of our company. I uh, think it was Garrett. And they were like, I've been following Garrett for seven years, for six years, for 10 yes. years. Yes. And now I'm ready. Yes. Yep. And so it definitely yes. does marinate. People need to be ready for sure. People, people are ready when they're ready. And I keep in touch with them. I like what you have said, which is I do keep, um, they're on my newsletter. Mm-hmm. I blog on LinkedIn, which by the way, blogging on LinkedIn is a great way to build your community. Blogging on LinkedIn, you can have what I have found to be particularly successful is to share something like a problem and a solution that you have so people can benefit or something that's really human, a problem, a couple of things you tried and you're asking for help because you hit a wall. People love to be asked for advice. And if someone knows how to solve your problem more times than not, they will reach out to you and help you because it makes them feel good. So allow people to have the ability to help you in such a way. And it makes you seem a little more human and vulnerable too. Great way to connect with thought leaders too. And also by blogging, you're also seen as a thought leader. Um, But circling back to when people are ready, you're absolutely right. And this is what I have learned is I always keep my door open. And when people are ready, they they cycle back um, and and end up working with me. So, uh, you know, some of these things just take a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I read a lot of uh, Eastern thought. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, focus on the action. Right action leads to right result is, is what it says yes. in the Tao Te Ching. And, uh, and I just love that because when you focus on right action, then you're not attached to the result. You just do the right thing over and over yes. and over. And it sticks over time, right? It doesn't stick for everybody. Listen, if you think you're pleasing everybody and you said this in a much nicer way, you're kidding yourself. Even if you tried to, you couldn't. I mean, look at the politics, the religion, the belief systems, all the stuff in our country. There is no way to please everybody. I don't care who you are. So give that up. It doesn't exist. It's right there with perfection. It's up there in fairyland. So let go of that. Speak your truth. Speak to your people is what I hear you saying. And it will alienate some, but it will bring others in. And I've heard that if you don't have people who vehemently oppose your opinion, your view is not strong enough. It's not powerful enough to move people. If you can't move people yes. to dislike you in some way or disagree with you, there's no way you're going to move people to agree with you because you're too watered down. And and I struggle with that. I'm a nice guy. I like to do nice yeah. things for people. I like to be liked. I think that's a human trait. Um, and I have a tendency to like soften things sometimes, but I've really had to work on standing up for what I believe to be true. And really, you know, especially in the financial world, there's a ton of misinformation in the career world, oh, there's yeah. a bazillion. I mean, I can't tell you how many yes. people who, who I talk to who are like 32 and they're like, want to change careers. And they're like, but I'm so late in the game. I'm so behind. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, tell that to someone doing what you're doing in their fifties, right? Like <laughs> you are so early in your career. You're like three years into your career. You're not 25 yes. years. And, yes. and and there's just so many limiting beliefs there that it's, that it's funny. I'm sure you hear it all the time. You know, I've worked with people in their 70s. Who, who switch careers. I say, if you're still breathing, you can make a change. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way I heard it said was no matter how far down the wrong road you are, turn around. Yeah. It's still the wrong road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're, yeah. I guess if you got six months until you get the gold watch and whatever, then maybe you can ride it out for six months, but then make a plan to, to do what you want to do after that. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm very much in agreement with your lesson. So, um, Johanna, if people want to to find out more, 
get in touch with you, whatever, maybe tell me first where they can find you because I'm not sure we got to that in the beginning. And then if, <laughs> and then if there's a, you know, anything else you feel like you want to say before we wrap up here, I'll just give you the floor for a second. So you can just share what you think is important for people to say. Sure. So my company is Connect Work Thrive, and that's also my URL, Connect Work Thrive. Uh, so you can reach out to me there. And uh, on there is a calendar. So please feel free to schedule time with me. I love to talk to you about what your present career situation is and your goals, if you even know what they are. My philosophy is that everyone has value and there is a place for everyone. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a real build bulldog. I don't give up on anyone. And I have sometimes believed in people longer than they believed in themselves. But I'm always able to find a right fit for everyone, as long as they have resourcefulness and resilience and will keep working with me. So uh, that is my philosophy. That's what I would like to leave your audience with. And, uh, and get a hold of me on connectworkthrive.com. I would love to speak with you. Awesome. I, I love that philosophy. I think of people as like treasure chests, right? If you if you work long enough, yes. you can pick that lock and you can really find the gold that's in there in everybody. And uh, you know, kudos to you for sticking with it because I know some people have some pretty tough locks. And uh, it yes. sounds to me like you're you're fully coming from a place of leading from the heart. And I, I just think there's nothing more powerful than that. Someone who truly cares, who truly wants to help to the point where, like you've said, sometimes you're, you know, maybe they aren't quite as ready as you are. And uh, I think if you had to be one way or the other, that's that's definitely the side to err on. So thank you for coming and sharing all your passion, all your experience, all the things that you do for people with us. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Venes, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there. Create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.